listening to Nerds on Film with Roxy Noberry, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. You know, this sounds kind of weird, but I feel like we're having a slumber party right now because <laughs> I'm literally, people can't see, so this is at, at home episode. I'm literally laying on my bed with my computer and my microphone and we're just like, we're talking. In and your diary. Yeah, my, I'm showing you my burn book. I literally just watched an episode of Queer Eye. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we I feel like that there are s'mores and doing each other's nails in the immediate future. Oh, Brian, I give great manicures, so get ready. Get your cuticles ready, sir, because yeah. they are in for a treat. We got pedicures <laughs> last weekend. What? I know. How was it? Um, I found out that I have very ticklish feet. Is what I found out. <laughs> yeah, my You're right ticklish. foot is super ticklish and she was like the woman was just like how is that and i just said i'm just trying not to kick you in the face right now (laughs) (laughs) not because i don't like you it's because i got sensitive toes exactly and she thought that was hilarious she was she was giggling quite a bit at that oh my gosh but like vanessa wanted a little bit of a pampering thing so we both got the same thing where i got like a calf and foot massage wait you guys got couples pampering we got couples pedicures yeah my gosh i'm sorry what did you eat you got what else you got pedicures well, well so like it was the reg- normal pedicure but then they also did like a a hot wax treatment on the feet <gasps> they also did a um uh they don't like wax the hair off your feet they just like they put your feet in like a bag with with paraffin wax oh yeah yeah no like that's a, that's i call that the baby feet treatment yeah it's like an exfoliant sort of thing and then mm-hmm. um then they gave us like a stone massage on our calves Ooh. and our feet and then you know, well, those things can burn like a bitch. They get, well, I've I have a pretty high tolerance to pain, um, <laughs> except when you're tickling your feet. <laughs> except for the That's tickling of my feet, necessarily painful. Well, it's so weird. Know. So this is not. This may be a little bit of a confessional. This is not the first time I've gotten a pedicure. <laughs> confess, uh, confess. You know, I got another one for when we were getting ready to go to Sean's wedding two years ago. Oh but, my god! But we, but, but we we went to a different salon. And the women who were doing them there, like, they did, like, a firmer, more like a, a what's the word I'm looking for? They're more like a, a fisty version of a, of a massage. They were using, like, their knuckles. Oh, my God. Brian, you got fisted. <laughs> <laughs> I got foot fisted. Is what you what got foot fisted. <laughs> oh, turn that into a movie title. Instead of, like, it's like Freddy got fingered, <laughs> Brian got, got foot, foot fisted. fisted. Yeah, that's all. That that evokes a very horrifying image. Now that I think about it, Jesus, oh man, that's funny. I had no idea that you went through all that trouble to, you know, have good feet at your brother's wedding. Well, it was mostly for Vanessa and me wanting to participate with it. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I wore closed-toed shoes, so what was the what was the benefit? Right? I know you guys all had really cool customized chucks. It was pretty rocking. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually Not feel nice because for our wedding, we got really nice I got um, there's this brand and they're not sponsoring the podcast so please know that listeners Um, (laughs) Mark Bruno uh, they Mm make these he makes these really nice leather dress shoes that are not super crazy expensive Um, and they got these really nice brogue Oxford shoes for all the groomsmen so (gasps) you know what they always say if it's not brogue don't fix it it's not (laughs) wow (laughs) I went there I I did that If it isn't Brug, don't fix it. Um, <laughs> That's pretty damn fancy, Brian. You've kind of outdone yourself. Well, you know, you know me. I like to keep things classy when I can. Well, I mean, 
Well, <laughs> it's not every year we have a Mobro wedding show, so I am yeah. very, very excited for you. We're keeping, <laughs> we're keeping things classy up here. You should see the hors d'oeuvres we've got at the wedding. We're going to do some pickles with some with some American cheese on top and then a little <laughs> bit of uh, some bacon bits. That's, oh, um, God. that's high class is what that do is. Do you have my ranch dressing? <laughs> Oh, of course. Have... Oh, baby, we made baby, we made like five gallons of ranch dressing. Please tell me there's a ranch dressing fountain at your wedding, Brian. <laughs> ranch dressing fountain, ranch dressing uh, dispenser for those I who don't want to. The biggest of dibs on all of that. <laughs> no, we're doing none of that. Um, Damn it! <laughs> sorry, but I think you're going to enjoy yourself quite a bit. You uh, get nothing. You lose. <laughs> This is an impossible subject. You cannot segue from pedicures to gangster movies. There's no way you can do it. You really can't. It's impossible. But we're here. We're giddy as fuck, and we're going to deal with it. Yeah. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Roxy Noberry. And it's just, just the two of us. We can do this if we try, just the two of us. Get ready to die. <laughs> what the fuck? It's the Gangster Podcast. You know what this, that just reminded me of? We were doing something really sweet and sentimental, and then it got real, like, aggressive. It got dark, just it like did. every movie we're going to talk remember, about do you, do, do, do you remember Eurotrip at all? Oh my god, do I? Do I remember Eurotrip? Do you remember the <laughs> Vondersex scene? <laughs> when he gets like the Klugen Flugen Fergen and <laughs> Oh my god. I just rewatched that movie the other day. I did too. Oh my god. Oh. I watched it on the fourth of July. This is so funny. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Remember the scene when it's they're at the house party and the friend is in the hot tub? Oh, <laughs> this, this isn't where I parked. My my car. Car. Yeah, totally. And I oh, say that line god. all the time and no one <laughs> Bet you do, <laughs> and no one, no one gets it. God damn it! <laughs> no one gets it. Nobody uh, just starts like emphatically rubbing their nipples, being like, "Did I get this spot? Did I get it? Did I get it, Brian? Did I get it?" Right, exactly. Like, nope, nope. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Nobody understands that reference. Damn, shame on them. They only understand the Scotty doesn't know reference. Ex- right, exactly. Fourteen oh, years ago, Damon. it's been fourteen years since Scotty didn't know. Scotty uh, still doesn't know. Still. <laughs> Um, okay, so gangster movies. Gangster, gangster. Why are we even talking about gangster movies? Wait, wait I can today? segue this. Rero Trip featured Vinnie Jones as a soccer hooligan <laughs> who was in a couple of English gangster movies by oh, Mr. Guy Ritchie. Shit. And Scotty of the infamous notoriety English. I don't know English. Hold on. Um, Matt Damon <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Uh, was in The Departed, which is a Martin Scorsese staple. Which okay. Is also, what we would consider a gangster film. Because and when we talk about gangster movies, what are we talking about, Brian? We're talking about crime that is organized. Mm, is, very, very organized. And I think that's a really good modifier to, to express it because if you think of it in terms of Italian mafia movies, mm. the, the list gets significantly shorter. And. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, of course, I mean, it goes without saying The Godfather is like the epitome of all gangster movies and like the whole trilogy, maybe mm-hmm. not so much the part three, but like those well. movies like are the the template for talking about morality and talking about man's fall from grace and yeah. 
you know. But but then again, yeah. there's a ton of gangster movies that we're probably not going to cover no. from the 1940s <laughs> and 50s and so mm-hmm. forth. And there's probably a couple before the Hayes Code went into place that were oh, really yeah. intense that are kind of in the same realm, you know. Clarify for our lovely listeners what the Hayes Code is. Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, Roxy. Um, <laughs> I feel like Vanna White. <laughs> so for those like, who didn't know, a uh, dude named Hayes thought movies were too violent and too sexy. So uh, so um, it was the precursor to the MPAA um, yep. rating system. And the Hayes Code was instituted in the 1930s to prevent movies from um, being uh, salacious and being... Um, too hot, hot, hot. Exactly. Because they believed that that was uh, leading to a moral decline in America. Uh, God forbid. Mm-mm. Yeah. Not the first time that we've, we, we have thought those things and we used stupid things as scapegoats. Um, so, <laughs> if Sean were here, he'd have such a rant right about now. <laughs> oh, dude, so, go, If you ever listen to us on Nerds in History, we talk about how graham crackers came to be and that's just a oh. whole... Fucked up storyline. Dude, sign me up. I want to hear. Oh, I well, I'll give you the quick Reader's yeah. Digest version. So, graham crackers were originally developed because uh, at that point in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, when science was still very modern, science was still very uh, unrefined. Uh, this guy named Graham, who was also a pastor, believed that. Um, men's proclivities toward masturbation was due to a lack of fiber in their diet. Oh my so, God. So he made the original graham cracker, which was not cinnamon sugary goodness. It was a bland, hard as rock, as a rock uh, cracker that you ate. And it mm. was meant to help prevent quote unquote self abuse. Oh so, my goodness. Is this Billy Graham you're talking about? No. Maybe mm. related. I would not be surprised if they were related. But no, Jeez. not. So, well, so anyway. Color me impressed. So anyway, the the Hayes Code, pre-Hayes Code movies are like, holy shit, you heard F-bombs, you saw tits, you saw, <laughs> you saw some pretty gory scenes happening in those those films. And keep in mind, listeners, that 1927 was when movies started having sound. So there was like this brief period of full talkie movies. I mean, there were some silent films that did this too, but there was some f- brief period of full talkie movies that had mm-hmm. like all of the R-rated goodness that we enjoy today without the censorship. Yeah, I mean, you gotta think about it, you know, in terms of the times, right? You're talking about coming out of the Prohibition era, where you have all these gangsters, these American gangsters, um, who are becoming legends and uh, idealized in their own way. You know, we have lots of movies, we're talking about John Dillinger, or, uh, you know, Al Capone, or whatever. Right, I mean, The Untouchables was definitely an example we'd have, we, we, we couldn't touch, not touch upon it. For that reason, yeah. exactly. and the stars of those days were like Humphrey Bogart and James Cagney, right? So those two names you really always associate with those types of um, gangster or early gangster films, or at least you know organized crime whodunits. Totally, and let's not forget the original Scarface was mm-hmm. a very different movie than the Brian De Palma version. It was it was much more about a gangster than it was about a Cuban <laughs> drug cartel. Yeah, so, I mean um, that's going to be interesting to note though. Like I feel like there's different like uh, tropes in gangster films that are really consistent throughout history. Like you, I feel like you've always got like the one where obviously the gangster is the villain 
and you are, you know, the protagonist is is obviously set up against um, the villains. Or then you've got the one where it's like uh, there's an outsider who comes into the gang, or it's the immigrant story of this of this outsider. Um, and then there's another like trope there. Um, I'm trying to remember what the third trope would be. Do you kind of know what I'm what I'm talking about here, Brian? Where we talk about like different types of themes that are exploring. Yeah, it's different movies. themes, different different plot lines that you tend mm-hmm. to see. Um, <sighs> for me, I think it, what it really is is when I think of The Godfather, I think of it as um, man's fall from grace. Like mm-hmm. that's that's to me like a very very <laughs> very dominating theme. Uh, Talk about an ethical dilemma. Or redemption, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I, I just I find it so interesting how sometimes these films like you you tend to uh, you know side with the antihero, right? And the antihero is always like the the De Niro type or the the Joe Pesci type or you know basically the the entire uh, family in in The Godfather. Yeah. You know, they, they are the enemy, but you sympathize with them no matter what and sympathize with their plight. And I think that's really um, a hell of a character study. So if there's one thing I really have always adored about gangster films is how brilliant they are of being pure character studies and stories about family. Sure. And, and family dynamics and, and dysfunctionality. <laughs> totally. And, you know, there's something to be said about us enjoying the antihero because, I mean, obviously, you know, being nerds and liking Star Wars and liking, <laughs> you know, even liking, you know, the Deadpools, the Han Solos and stuff. Yeah. I think what we like about those characters are they they say and do the things that we wish we could do. Oh, Yeah. They, Definitely, but with, in the case of gangster movies, I think what comes into play is because they're an antihero who happens to work for an organized crime organization. <laughs> um, they they tend to sometimes make decisions we don't we we can't agree with we can't accept. So there's there's a certain like there, that um, what's the word I'm looking for mm-hmm. that chari- the charisma they have has limits to it. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Oh, well, kind of backtracking to my original point about, like, different themes you commonly notice amongst gangster films. Like, you have, um, you know, following the escapades of the villain, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have melodramas, which they very much are. I mean, there's nothing more melodramatic than a gangster film where everyone's getting shot up left and right to kingdom come. <laughs> I mean, talk about the last 15 minutes of The Departed. Like, give me a break. Um, and then you, you, but you identify with them no matter sure. what. Like, you, you side with them. Sure. Um, and then, and then the outsider story, um, much most, you know, that's, I think, you know what, now that I think about it, I feel like the Godfather three was like a love story to the first two Godfathers. You know what I mean? Cause I'm literally, uh, Coppola waits for his daughter to come of age before he can film it. I mean, you want to talk about sentimentality there. That is, that, that takes the cake. <laughs> yeah. And it's also the. I thought, I mean, people love to rag on it, but, you know, I watched, when I watched the films for the first time a few years ago, I watched them all at the same time. I watched it Hmm. together as one long You did the supercut on AMC? 
<laughs> kind of. I mean, well, I watched two in Whenever one day. Whenever that comes on. Oh, you did? I do. I watched two in one day, and then I was getting tired, so then I woke up the next morning and started watching the third one. Dude, Brian, confession time. Any time that AMC Supercut comes on or Titanic comes on TNT, I always drop what I'm doing and just watch. <laughs> Well, I mean, you and know, I have, when a, I have when, no shame. When a story is not well told, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I totally oh, get it. But um, where was I going with this? So um, to a land far, far away. I, I think what's interesting is that each of those movies, each of the Godfather movies, represent a different trope within the gangster movie paradigm. Like the mm. first one is Michael Corleone's Fall from Grace, mm-hmm. right? Because you see, you literally see him as the the kid who Vito is trying to keep away from the business, who ends up so ha- many religious contexts and all of that. Huh? Oh my God! The the closing montage when he's <laughs> saying the baptismal vows for his son and all of his enemies are being murdered. Like that, oh. that's it. And then you goes. have you know the poor cat uh, who's basically Mary Magdalene of the whole damn setup. Right. Like the poor woman is just constantly villainized and, and, and just pushed out. Like, ah, oh, I just I hate how you she becomes so hateable. She's basically, Skylar from Breaking Bad is a direct, I want to say, like, homage characteristically to um, Kath in, uh, in Godfather, or yeah, in the Godfather movies. Because she, she's so unlikable, but such a victim of circumstance, too. Right. Um, and then there's also the fact that, you know, the second one deals a lot with, what's weirdly enough, it deals with the, well, first off, I think the second one is more to do with Veto and mm. less to do with Michael. Though, oh, no, it was Coming to America story. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was very much Michael's further descent into his corruption. Yeah. And his, like, the corruption of his soul. Whereas you're you're starting to see Vito really got into this because he was just trying to provide for his family. Yeah, and so you see how far the angel has fallen from exactly. Grace. Yeah, and the, and the so third far. one is him trying to to redeem himself, but he hasn't fully paid for his sins yet. And yeah, I he think, can't rectify that without consequences. Right, and you know I think ultimately, and again, guys, spoilers because if you haven't seen these movies, shame on you. What um, are you even doing? Right, <laughs> with I mean, your life. <laughs> unfortunately, you know when it comes to the loss of his daughter. In the end yeah. of the third act, the third act of the third movie, like that's that is that is his unfortunate his his atonement is that he has to lose everything because at that mm-hmm. point he tries to reconcile with his wife and the loss of his daughter. I think it's pretty clear like it ruins everything. Yeah, and so let's let's talk about the idea that these Godfather films honestly sort of reignited um, a whole new genre of gangster films up until that point. I mean, specifically Italian uh, mafia family gangster films, which did a hell of a lot for the Italian community, Italian-American community, I mean, back in the 70s. Yeah. In the sense that it basically, you know, villainized them and fucked a lot of things up for them. They weren't too happy. Well, I think the one thing (laughs) you have different with these films versus the films of, like, the 40s and, and 30s is that you have the filmmakers, number one, themselves coming from Italian-American families. That's yep. number one. And number two, I mean, you look at Coppola and you look at Scorsese, and they're part of this new wave of independent film. That's, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, yeah, and I didn't, I wasn't trying to be cute there. I, I meant that very sincerely, too. You like, done good, Brian. You done good. Two for one. And what <laughs> what I think is really interesting about, particularly like when you, to, to segue into like Scorsese's films is Scorsese 
puts a like a contemporary or like a, a really like he doesn't like to use scoring as much. He loves mm-hmm. to score th- movies, s- songs with pop songs, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that adds a whole other color to his work, and you can t- certainly see it. in the, like when you look at like Tarantino's films in the nineties, mm. like you you could not tell me that Scorsese was not an influence to that. When you look at the <laughs> way he put, puts those films together, so mm. um, I have to admit I'm not as well versed on the Scorsese. Uh, canon of gangster films. Oh, so, honey, that's where I come in. So I think we need to talk a little bit. I mean, I know obviously there's there's Goodfellas, there's Casino, and then there's oh, The Departed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those those are not a trilogy. They are just three no. <laughs> autonomous gangster movies. Yeah, and a lot of them are biographical. I mean, when you say biographical, you use artistic license and all of that. Um, However, particularly with Goodfellas and Casino, I mean, those are based on real, tri- real true crime stories of real American gangsters and the, the shenanigans that they accomplished throughout their tenure. <laughs> and uh, Scorsese, uh, and Scorsese is basically writing love letters to them through his through his work in the same way that Coppola is writing a love letter to his you know heritage through the good uh, godfather movies good father movies <laughs> the good father the I'm good i'm really fucking it up man <laughs> the good the good father and the godfellas the good father you, and the godfellas there you go nice no i mean i remember the first time do you remember where you were the first time you watched goodfellas brian <laughs> um, i sure do i i do remember so the funny thing is i've oh boy i'm going to get some shit for this um so i i haven't seen all of goodfellas i've oh. seen yeah. Commence shit throwing in three, two. <laughs> because the one time. Do you time, feel it, Brian? Do you feel my shit just. Because the first time that my brother watched it, I was grounded from television. So. What? Yeah. So I was. Because that's how young we were. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, I know. I, I, Wait, I know. did Sean make you watch it or were you guys no, just sneaking in? They, Sean was watching it with my parents because my parents had screened it and they thought, well, he's like 13, so it's probably okay. Um, he's like 13 and slightly perverse. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Not knowing the psychological damage that was being done. Um, what? That was being done? Uh, or that was being, well, you know. <laughs> perpetuated? Perpetuated, exactly. You, you know, um, so at any rate, um, I, I listened to a good chunk of the film, but in a way that I couldn't really put all of it together. So, I mean, I understand the overall arc of the movie Yeah, is about these guys who are part of this crime family. They can't ever be fully part of it because they're not fully... Italian, they're like mm. Italian Irish. So it's an interesting perspective of what do you do with the families that you know. It sh- it does show off the idea that these Italian mafia families have a very uh, well. I mean, it is a racist uh, approach to it, but it's the idea that if you're not completely descended blood, from yeah. from Italian blood, you you can never be in the you cannot dis- uh, ascend to the highest levels of. Yeah that family the most you'll be is like a thug basically you can't um ascend you can't level up <laughs> exactly oh my there god is a, of scientology <laughs> yeah there is a there is a glass ceiling oh um, mm. Mm. well then yeah mm. no yeah exactly and 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 you know okay if there's one thing I love about these types of movies, which is a common, common trope you see in a lot of these modern gangster films, is the kid. You know, the concept of the kid coming up through the ranks 
and the influences in his life, right? And you see in all the characters that he comes across, all the you know trials and tribulations, this and that, all the violence that he's exposed to, and yet the sense, the common theme there is is community, it's connectedness, it's support, it's safety, um, and it's it's all they know. And, and so you're immediately drawn into it, and I just I just remember feeling like, oh my god, these are my kind of people. <laughs> um, I God, how old was I when I first watched Goodfellas? I was maybe like 15, 16, um, and I just remember falling in love with the wives. <laughs> can we can we talk about the women for a minute here in all of these films? Well, one one of the things I think is great about Goodfellas is it does show some of the story from their perspective, and that's a really unique approach, you know? Yeah. I will say this. Being a Goodfellas wife is kind of low-key a goal of mine. I'm not saying I want to get involved with a criminal, this and that or whatever. I just, I just, I want to live that glam, don't give a fuck kind of life. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> Where you and- spend your days just keeping house and keeping order and raising your kids and doing your hair with fuck ton of hairspray and who gives a fuck <laughs> yeah. sure i'll hide the coke don't worry i got you i'll flush it down the toilet and you like, know i want to be that i want that <laughs> you want to hide the coke okay i want to hide the coke for you <laughs> um i what i think is interesting is i i think you see a clear influence between goodfellas and the sopranos because i don't think you oh, would have yeah. the sopranos if it wasn't for goodfellas no are you kidding me oh my god no I, if anything, Sopranos is a whole a league of its own. Obviously, one of the most critically successful like uh, portrayals of organized crime um, in a fictional, fictionalized sense. But of course, it would not have nearly as much of its success and um, just admiration if it wasn't for these foundational films. Sure. Definitely, dude. Definitely. So tell me, tell me, how long did it take you? Did you were you able to watch? Sorry, to transition to Casino. Mm. Were you able to watch Casino in one sitting? Because that, that's a long fucking movie. <laughs> so I've seen Casino, bits and pieces of it at least, over the years. Okay. And I finally sat down for a full-fledged watching about maybe six months ago. Because uh, it got on Netflix. Okay. So maybe maybe sooner than that. Um, and I had heard about Sharon Stone's performance for quite a bit. I mean, it was quite critically um, acclaimed. Didn't she get nominated? Um, I think that got her a nomination, didn't it? I think so. No, I, I, probably. You keep you keep talking. I'm going to consult the runes. Consult the runes, man. The runes. No, yeah. If anything, it's it's based off a true story again, right? So you have a, a mob boss. Um, well, he's not not necessarily a mob boss. He's more of a, a casino boss. And it's uh, played by Robert De Niro, right? And uh, he makes his way to the top. Um, through connections, through lots of good connections and a pretty damn good work ethic. And the the gal that he gets, you know, hooked up with, their love story, I want to say, is the real central line through this film. Um, at the heart of it is their relationship because her fuck-ups and her connections serve as such a, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? The foil to De Niro's efforts. And you're just rooting for De Niro nonstop and here comes Sharon Stone with all her baggage yeah. and all her, you know, fuckery and it just all goes to shit. Yeah. So <laughs> and I love it. So um as far as awards go, so yes, yeah, so Sharon Stone won the Golden Globe. Oh shitsky. 
And then she got nominated for Best Actress, but she did not win. Oh, who won that year? I think it was Elizabeth Shue, because it was oh. a thing. I think it was the same year as Leaving Las Vegas. Shoo! Uh, I could Damn be wrong. You. Don't quote me, because I'm not looking at the actual list of winners. I'm looking at the nominations the film got. Uh, I do want to also point out, though, that in the prestigious MTV Movie Awards... <laughs> did they get Best Kiss? <laughs> uh, no, she got Best Please Female Performance, me. but Joe Pesci got Best Villain. Oh year. my God! Okay, can we can we dedicate a good minute to my boy, Mr. Pesci? Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go Do ahead. I amuse you, Brian, like a clown? What? Am I funny? Am I funny like a clown, Brian? What? What, Brian? What? 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 Did you want to talk about Joe Pesci? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, fuck you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you can't talk about Pesci without becoming, like, angry by proxy. He I just know. elicits the anger so well. He's such a good, like, muse of anger. Well, the funny Pretty thing sure, is... yeah. I mean, the funny <laughs> thing is, he's a very versatile actor, but unfortunately, like, yeah. the films where he doesn't play the angry, <laughs> you know, surly guy, like, doesn't... The, he, he he disappears, he like, totally does. He has a wonderful cameo in The Good Shepherd that Robert De Niro made about the... About the That's sip. right. Wasn't that his last film before he retired? I think so. And then he yeah. also, obviously, his performance in JFK is just fucking weird. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, he <laughs> he he very clearly has a versatile skill set. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when we think of him from our age set, we think, oh, it's the dude from Home Alone. Oh, and it's yeah. the angry guy from Goodfellas. No, it's the guy who got his head fucking lit on fire in Home Alone. Um, and it's the the clown guy from Goodfellas. Like, he will forever go down with those, you know, giving him the notoriety he very well deserves. Because he's so fucking talented. I mean, talk about talent. My Cousin Vinny is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my God, My Cousin Vinny. I can't believe I forgot I about that. Marissa Tomei got all the accolades, but... She won the Oscar for that movie. Yeah, but he was really the heart of it, too. I mean, they shared that screen time just beautifully. Talk about a hell of a partnership. That is goals for me. Forget Goodfellas Wives. I want a fucking My Cousin Vinny type of relationship (laughs) thing going on. I want to be Marissa Tomei. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) <laughs> totally. And she's still got it. My God, she was great in Spider-Man: Lord. Homecoming. Dude, um, I know, right? The sexiest Aunt May of all time. Honestly, she, whoo, girl. Totally, totally, totally. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Goodfellas is is definitely the bomb. dot com, and it's all part and thanks to to Joe Pesci's performance. You can definitely, definitely count on that. Okay, so so now I think we have to transition then to since we're submitting a good chunk of this episode on Scorsese, mm. we have to talk about the one that finally got him the. Academy Award. Brian, can I ask you a question? I don't think we knew each other that time, um, but did you watch that Oscar that 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 year? I did watch you it. Watched it, right? I did also you cry. S- um, when he finally won, I was very happy a, for him. Did you shed a tear when all the directors walked on stage and everyone started like standing up and applauding because they all fucking knew it was going to happen? It was. I mean, <laughs> everyone was like, "It's about fucking time." I Oh, I, I was very happy because I saw that movie in theaters, Dude. and the and the funny thing is the power went out in the middle of the of the movie. Fuck no! Get the fuck out! Are you yeah. serious? So there was That's like, like a, my there was nightmare. like yeah. So there was like well. So what happened was sorry, not the power went out. The the film got damaged. <gasps> so 
there was like about a solid 15 20 minutes we had where we had a break and they were trying to fix the movie so, oh god! And everyone stuck around. Please yeah, tell me everyone, everyone stuck, stuck. Everyone stuck. Well, yeah, because it was right wow. when I was getting good. So that dedication was, to the cause, man. Right. <laughs> um, so I mean, let's talk about this movie. So this movie is is heavily influenced by the real life uh, uh, Bostonian mm. gangster Whitey Bulger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a direct adaptation, but it was a pretty damn close version of it. No, and, go watch Black Mass if you want a pretty damn good at it. Oh my God, Black Bulger. Mass is terrifying. I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. like, I did see, I saw both those in theaters and yeah, pretty Johnny, damn great, huh? Yeah, Johnny Depp gives a performance that I know people aren't really hot on Johnny Depp right now, but mm. my God, that dude well, disappears. Well, that movie came out right at like the top part and the beginning of all his downfall. I think like it came out right before a lot of his reputation. I feel like was completely slandered. Um, so he had a bit more credibility, but he was robbed too because his that was a career-defining performance by far. Yeah, but he's also a guy who's not really interested in awards. He said uh, he doesn't want to win an Oscar. I'm and just saying though, everyone gives him credit for fucking Jack Sparrow, rightfully so. Jack Sparrow's an icon, but talk about his complete just diving in into the psychology of Whitey Bulger completely disappeared into the role. Yeah, crazy. And what was really terrifying. Was re- actually, I shouldn't say terrifying, unsettling was that he put on the blue contact lenses <laughs> because, like, you couldn't really, like, you knew that Johnny Depp's eyes are not that color. Yeah. But it was just, it was unsettling to look in his eyes and not see his eyes. I mean, if it's a Johnny Depp movie, it's a character piece. So he's a character actor at its truest form in that way. And he's kind of created his own niche of character yeah. acting, if you want well, to think Well, he of it loves, that way. he is fascinated by prosthesis. Like, mm. he loves makeup and disappearing into role. That's one of the reasons why like when he played like Guy Lepoint in the uh-huh. uh in Yoga Hosers and in Tusk, like he was he loved Tusk. he loved the the prosthetic nose they gave him. And <laughs> and, he, and it I still does I can't believe I spent money on Tusk. <laughs> I well t- we, we, we the the True North trilogy we'll have to wait until Moose Jaws gets made before we can talk about them. Can we but, not? <laughs> can we not? What no what so I will say this though that um when Smith asked Depp if he wanted to be in Moose Jaws as Guy Lepoint, uh-huh. he's and he pitched him what Moose Jaws was going to be, which is it's for those who don't know, it's going to be Jaws with a moose. Um, oh God! Johnny Depp asked Johnny, exactly. Johnny Depp asked, um, "Can I get eaten by the moose?" And <laughs> Smith was like, "Sure." He's like, "Cool, I'm in." So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, back to back to the, the Departed, though. Yeah. Um, I, I I definitely see the Whitey Bulger, um, alleg, you know, the, the connections there, um, and I also see sort of a love story to Southies, to you know, South Boston, and 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 a lot of sort of beautiful storytelling in the sense that. You follow a through line of this kid coming up. Once again, there's that trope. And you know that he's a rat. And you know that he's, you know, faithful to one one team. And yet you fucking... I'm talking about Matt Damon here. <laughs> Only time you're going to tell me to talk about Matt Damon where I'm actually going to compliment him. He played <laughs> that... Wait, 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 wait. You hate Matt Damon? I oh <laughs> do I? <laughs> it's 
He's Matt Damon. After all, I can't take that fucking fool seriously to save my goddamn life. Save for Goodwill Hunting. I'll give him give him some credit there. Otherwise, I really don't like him. Oh wow! Have we never I'm talked surprised. about this, Brian. Have we never talked about my disdain for Matt Damon. No, I know. I, I'm just curious. Do you like love Jimmy Kimmel for that reason? Just, like, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel's my boy. <laughs> yes, um, that shit's hilarious. I just think he's kind of a. I don't know. I read a good, really good article about him a while back, where everyone was like, "Yeah, he's out of touch, and he's really tone deaf, and he's just this like you know." Uh, all this stuff about how he has a lot of sort of misdirected intentions with a lot of like the, the sort of um, organizations he supports and um, comments he makes about certain, you know, issues globally. Um, and people really feel like he's disingenuous or if anything, just ill-informed and misinformed. And he's sort of talking out of his white privileged ass a lot of the time. Um, sort of the, you know, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck sort of bro uh, style of, of speaking um, that people just don't take him seriously. And I, I never really have. Interesting. Okay. But I but, took but, him so, fucking seriously in The Departed. I will give him that much. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I will say, you know, who I took fucking seriously was I took mm. Leonardo DiCaprio seriously in this movie. That's what I was he, getting to, though. He was such a good foil to him. They were both so beautifully, diametrically opposed. Like, yeah. you could not help but just love that dynamic. Oh, and, God. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm glad that Leonardo DiCaprio finally won um, mm. for the movie he won uh, in. For The Revenant. The Revenant. But... He should have won for this movie. That movie was oh, you such. Think so? I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but like, hmm. I feel like it was a. There are other movies he could have easily won for too. He could have. He should have won yeah. for The Aviator. I also think he should have. Hmm. He could have easily won for. I'm so, I am shocked he wasn't nominated <laughs> for his performance in Django Unchained. People need to go listen to our Lols episode. <laughs> yeah. Leo's lols. Yeah, we'll talk about Leo's lols. Uh, we've yeah. talked at length about why Leo should have won many a time before. <laughs> and this was one of the reasons. This was more definitely one of those films where he was a contender. This is also uh, one of those movie, movie last times though that there was only five Best Picture nominees. Too that's right. That's so, so true. Um, so when that movie came out, it was it was a lot easier to catch up, and that was actually one of the first years I ever had seen all five Best Picture nominees at one time. Good shit, so, man. Yeah, yeah that sure. movie came out my senior year of high school, and I was taking a film studies class at the time, and my teacher was obsessed um, with uh, Scorsese. And I remember we had this long talk um, the Monday after the Oscars that time, and just talked about what it was like to watch Scorsese finally win and to really take a closer look at how perfect of a film The Departed really is. And I went and saw it in theaters myself, and I remember being totally overwhelmed, for for lack of a better emotion, <laughs> just by how intense it was and how quick-paced it was and, and how amazing the soundtrack and score is. Holy shit, you want to talk about basically one long music video for the Rolling Stones, The Departed is it. <laughs> sure. And, I mean, let's not discredit or let's not not talk about the fact that Jack Nicholson gives a... A, a great performance too. Was is that it, his goodbye performance? I feel like he didn't do much after that one. No, he did a couple movies after that. Um, okay. But he kind of he kind of did a a fizzle out sort of thing when mm. he before he retired. This was his last major dramatic role. 
There you, know? you go. There you go. That makes and, sense. Yeah. I mean, is it his best performance? Mm, no. Well, you could argue it was kind of the best of all of his performances in one. It was kind of him, I think, giving a slight wink and nod to audiences because you love Jack for who he is. And he wasn't really playing anybody else but himself. (laughs) Or at least the caricaturized version of a a gangster if if a gangster was Jack Nicholson. Right. (laughs) Yeah, which is, for me, that was was an interesting thing for me to try to buy, you know, was, Mm -hmm. was him in that position. But it worked. I mean, he sold it well. Um, oh, yeah. He sold it to hell and back. <laughs> I know. I always remember the quick scene where, like, he has the two prostitutes and he drops down a bag of Coke and he says, don't stop until you're numb. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. Th- and there's this shot where, like, as it's all happening, it cuts to his face, like, looking at them doing it. <laughs> and the look on his face is kind of chilling. It's like... yeah. Yeah. So, and that one micro nugget of mm. the character that he captured was was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I I have to ask you a question. Ask. What are there other gangster movies that are at the top of your like list, or do you have a list, or is it just mm. like you you have a favorite, or do you do you have like a top three? Do you have you have a top five? Oh yeah, no, definitely top five. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I will say this, I'm a big, big fan of the Italian mafia films, um, and much else besides that is, is not in my wheelhouse, I'm, I'm afraid to say. And that's kind of, you know, up to me in terms of how much farther I'm willing to go with exposure to different gangster movies. I mean, gangster film, the gangster film genre is such a global phenomenon that there's so many other movies out there, like British gangster films, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically everything Guy Ritchie's made in the ni- that he made in the 90s was bonafide. Um, you know, you talk about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. You talk about... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sexy Beast, or was it was Sexy Beast uh, Guy Ritchie? I know that it was Ben Kingsley was in it. I don't think um, it was Guy Ritchie, no. no. Okay. Um, well, either way, either way, there's a lot of British films that, I'm trying to think off the top of my head which other one. Oh, oh, oh my God, how could I fucking forget this? Snatch. Holy shit. Yep, yep. <laughs> my uh, boy Brad Pitt with a fucking, like, Cockney accent up the ass. Like, that was the craziest fucking performance besides 12 Monkeys I think I've ever seen Brad Pitt, like, Oh, absolutely. Off. Yeah, and let's not forget <laughs> Rock and Rolla, too. Rock and Rolla. Rock and Rolla, that's right. Yeah, with Gerald Butler and oh uh, Mark, um, is it Mark Stone? I'm thinking of no, his name. No. Uh, Mark, Mark Strong, sorry. Mark Strong. All right. And, and Tom Hardy and Idris Elba's in it. Yeah, Tom Hardy, Idris Elba's in it. And also, mm. um... Oh shit! What am his name? Tom Wilkinson. That's what I was, I was thinking. I was like, yeah. Tom Wilkinson is such a staple in these types of movies. In the same way that um, Chaz Palminteri is a staple in Italian mafia movies too. You always have to have that like paternal, like hard ass boss. And yeah. I feel like those two guys fill the role so well. <laughs> There's actually one more that we haven't talked about that I have to make a brief mention of. It's a movie called Gangster Number One. And it's Ooh. it's a British gangster movie, and it's Malcolm McDowell cool. is is looking. It, well, he's the older version of this guy. This this <gasps> British mob boss. Paul but, Bettany's in this. But Paul Bettany plays the young Malcolm McDowell as he rises up through the ranks of this of this 
this English gang. David Thewlis is in it. David Thewlis plays his friend who he ends up betraying and he gets sent to prison. Um, No, not Padfoot. No. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Uh, This was like the first time you look at Paul Bettany and I was scared. Like this, like this was, it was legit. It was a legit terrifying performance. Oh my gosh. Um, That's great, dude. That's so great. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm really glad that we got to talk about those two because I mean, then you, with that, you can't not mention um, Yakuza films and and, and Jap- But I mean, Japanese uh, gangster films. Um, there's so many out there that that genre is huge. It's big in Japan, um, and 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 as well as in the entire Asian market. Um, there's a lot of Hong Kong um, Hong Kongese films too um that are very popular and and probably one of the better known ones um is this gang uh this gangster film uh, what's it called it was revered pretty highly it was made back in 2002 i saw it on this um awesome list that i was doing my research on it's called infernal affairs Oh yeah, and in fact, um, that was the basis. That was what Scorsese said yeah. was the basis for The Departed. Yeah, it was. It was basically a. a it's a. It's a remake of The Departed. Um, or no, excuse me. The Departed is a remake of Infer- Infernal Affairs. Right. And right. Uh, you basically trade in Boston for Hong Kong, and there you have it. And if anything, people are arguing that it's better than The Departed. And I mean, that's a pretty high high set of praise, if you ask me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But well, okay, original, so, so. I, I have to ask you, if you had to pick, what, do you have like an island film of, of a gangster movie? Like if you had to pick, if you had to pick one to bring you with you to an island, which one would it be? Godfather. Godfather. Okay, yeah, that's Without fair. a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Hands down. And then if that, if my tape um, got stuck in my VCR on the island, then I would just swap it out. Uh, first, I would cut it out of the VCR. I would give it a proper burial. Um, and I would cry many tears, and then I would put in my uh, Goodfellas uh, DVD because I'm not a goddamn animal, and I will bring a DVD player with me to this island. <laughs> okay, so I have to mention. I think so. I couldn't think of one movie to bring to an island, but oh no, I do have a top five. When you call yourself a movie nerd? Okay, I know. tell me. And Maybe. I also I also have three honorable mentions. So, um, <laughs> top five. My top five, and these are the ones that I think resonated the most with me as like really unique films. Okay, I mean, The Godfather is at the top of the list without question because I think what you you see it from all angles. You really do see a more human side of this of of a crime family more Mm. so than I think you would see in the the gangster movies that precursed it. I mean, Um, it's a tale as old as time. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get more classic than that it doesn't get more um the i guess the word i'm looking for is universal it's sure a universal story totally um but next one is a is a interesting one winter's bone oh my god the jennifer lawrence one yeah what? it got put her on the map because it's because because you're dealing with appalachian gangsters like her Holy father shit brian i had never i didn't even think of that Dude, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> right? Because if you think about it, her uncle is kind of like an enforcer for oh, right. that gangster. And she's trying to find her father. And they're trying to hide the fact that her father's fucking dead. Oh, my you God. Know? Yeah. I Okay. I, I'm, I'm honest with you. When I watched this movie, I sort of blacked out because it was so dark. And I was just like really confused. But I do recall a scene where they're in like a pond or some sort of lagoon. And they're like finding dead bodies 
bodies in the lagoon or something? Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah, I'm not they, talking that, crazy. That's where she finds her father's body. Oh, yeah, so, spoiler. So, so for those for those who don't know, so Jennifer Lawrence plays this 17 year old girl who is trying, who has been forced to look after her younger siblings mm. because her father went missing. And they're running out of money, and so she's forced to like go to the gang that her father was working for, for one, money, and two, to ask where he is. And it becomes this weird mixture of gangster movie slash detective story where she tries to find her father's, really, to get confirmation that he's dead. Yeah. And I will say, it is a kind of a, it is a kind of a slow-paced film. It's bleak as fuck. And it's bleak, it's very dark, but... <laughs> Like, holy, holy shit. I mean, there's a scene where Jennifer Lawrence gets beat the fuck out of. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah. <gasps> she was like 17 when she made this movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh it, was, it was It was crazy. Well, she was playing 17. I think she was like in her low, early 20s. Oh, but, it was her first Oscar nomination, though. I remember that. That's and her first major, map. first nomination. She won on her first nomination. And no, I think. She, it, no, she didn't win on her first nomination. She won for Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, I thought she, oh, right. Sorry, you're right. Totally, my my mistake. First but, nomination, but it was like her also her first major film. Like she'd yeah, done yeah. a couple. So it was like she skyrocketed onto the scene because of it. Okay, so that's yeah. that's the one. You've already mentioned it, but how can I not talk about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Because <laughs> I mean, first of all, I didn't even realize that gangster movies could be comedies <laughs> until. Oh my god! Right. And this movie like totally proved that it could it could be both. And dude, analyze work. this and analyze that. We haven't even talked about those ones. Analyze this is the next one on my list. Oh my I'm, god, I knew no it. No joke. <laughs> so first of all, I just I love the irony of casting Robert De Niro as a crime boss who can't even. Um, <laughs> who can't even? <laughs> and yeah. Billy Crystal is just a perfect foil for him. Like, oh Billy. And uh, you can't like when they do when they do the meeting of all the mob bosses at the end, yeah. and Billy Crystal has to pretend like he's the consigliere, and he smacks around one of his uh, <laughs> Bob De Niro's henchmen. Like it's just it's so good. It is so that's good. Funny, that's fucking hilarious. I'm so glad you included that. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Well, so the other to round up the top five because I would be remiss if I didn't mention at least a Scorsese movie. But again. Mm-hmm. A unique gangster movie that we didn't we haven't talked about yet, Gangs of New York. <gasps> I was literally thinking about that right when you were about to say it. Are we having like ESPN right now? What are we doing? <laughs> we having Brian. Yeah. We're synchronizing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we totally have ESPN right now. Oh my god. And there's still coverage of the World Cup. Um <laughs> so, <laughs> um Yeah, no, definitely. Please. Okay. Forget about it. You got to Gangs of New York, Bonafide. I mean, doesn't get more gangster genre film than well, that. Well, first of all, you have that. You also have. I mean, what? A, what? The, it's a real fucking weird cast. Like you've got mm. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis knocking it out of the park as Bill the Butcher. The best. Oh my god, terrifying! You have Liam Neeson so in the movie for five minutes. Great. You've oh got, my god! Yeah, but he was the fucking shit. That whole opening yeah. sequence of them walking out together. Yeah, pretty spelling. Oh yeah, you've got yes. you've got Leonardo DiCaprio Saint killing Michael. it. Saint Michael. But then yeah, also, Leo. Cameron Diaz. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, well, it was the times though. It was the early two thousands. I she know, but like, I was worried that she wasn't going to hold her own. Oh no, she she, she did hold her own because she's kind of like that movie star who like never really trained seriously as an actress no yeah like she, exactly. she even she even admitted in, in interviews that she didn't read the script Duh. well no sorry that's not true for this movie i think was one of the first times that she was forced 
to read the whole script because I could she just doesn't see Scorsese like giving her shit for it too. <laughs> no, she just no. What she would do is she would she would prepare her scenes scene by scene, mm-hmm. and she would live those out, and then she wouldn't like get the whole story until after she was done shooting the movie. Wow. So, yeah, which is a which is totally like guys who maybe don't know what the industry is like. That's a very television actory. Uh, approach to uh, mm. to, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not what we think of when we think of an actor preparing for a serious role like this. Mm. Um, and she did admirably, you know, okay. considering considering who she was working with and what she, who she was sharing the screen with. Shit. My God, um, it's great. Tell me about it. Also, it is really interesting because you've got like you two wrote a, a, a song for them film. They did. You, it was in the end credits, and it's a beautiful song. It was nominated yeah, for the Oscar. It was, and then they mm-hmm. also have this whole thing where you see a Oscar. the how New York has changed dramatically since the eighteen oh hundreds. Yeah, yeah, the time lapse. Oh, but it was so a really totally. But it was a really really great way of seeing. Like really trying to paint a picture of what was New York like in the the late eighteenth hundreds, where you you got like the backlash of the Civil War happening. Yep. You've got Tammany Hall in full swing with all the political Mm -hmm. corruption going on there. You've got. Mm -hmm. uh, It's just it was really really interesting. Beautiful historical drama. Totally, but I have to mention my three honorable mentions. Do it. So another one that's kind of again off the beaten path. Lucky number eleven. Classic. Classic. Right? right? Yeah. Also, the first time you were like Josh Hartnett was like, huh. That's my boy. <laughs> I mean, we all knew he was like, you know, uh, a sex symbol, but like, oh shit, <laughs> like this is, he could like legit act too. He's fucking tweaking, man. Let him fucking tweak. <laughs> Sorry, I um, had to do that. <laughs> the faculty forever, you guys. Yeah. The faculty forever. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you, you also mentioned Snatch, but yes, yeah, Snatch is on my honorable mm-hmm. mentions list. Good. For Brad, if nothing else, for Brad Pitt alone, that is the yes, I also, I just, iconic. The the favorite scene, she's partial to the polywinkle, and then and then and then you hear Jason say, "Can't you understand a word of what he just said?" <laughs> God, Jason Statham in that movie was just so he was so underappreciated, under really really understated too, like just a hidden gem. Absolutely, um, <laughs> but you ready for my last one? Do it, Boondock Saints. What? You're blowing my mind here, Brian Moriarty. You're blowing well, my mind. I mean, it's kind of an inverse gangster movie because if you think about it, these guys are sure. taking down the mob. Mm-hmm. They're taking down, so it's really more like they're like mob busters. But well, no, it goes with along the idea of the tropes of the gangster film. So no, it's right on par. You, the villain is the gang. That that's perfectly fine. Yeah, but yet they do things. There is a question of their. They're, I mean, they're without question they're vigilantes, hmm. um, but you know it's like they're really, they're getting their hands real dirty. Dude, it, iconic. You know what else is iconic? The fact that <laughs> your brother and his wife walk down the aisle to the Boondock Saints score. <laughs> well, it was the opening like Irish opening, which had which had a very like. It was actually very pretty. It was a it's very so epic. It was gorgeous. It brought it was, tears to my eye. Absolutely. Um, so, please tell me you're gonna be walking down the aisle to the good, the Godfather song, do, 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 do. <laughs> um, like the waltz from like the opening scene. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I don't know. We we so this might be a little bit of a confession. We haven't actually figured out what her processional song's gonna be yet. 
we figured out what the recessional song is going to be, okay. but we haven't figured out what the processional song is going to be. So shit, man, pick something by the Beatles. That's always a classic. Sure, all you need is love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we'll uh, figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Well, it's also, I mean, it's a Catholic ceremony, so we have to, you know, probably keep it liturgical. Just, just so. come down the aisle with some fucking like Aretha Franklin <laughs> gospel or something. Or, or like fucking Gregorian chanting. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Just have fun with it. It's your wedding. I'm so excited for you. We'll wedding. have yeah. We'll have a Gregorian chant of respect <laughs> going through. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> no. Okay. That's a beautiful list. I just I realized I didn't give you my full list. Um, that's okay. So really I over prepared. Did we talk about a Bronx Tale? We didn't, we... and we should have because that's a that's a great example of yeah. of. Someone who is like surrounded by gangsters. Oh my god, all day, every day. And like I mentioned, Charles Palminteri is an icon. Uh, yeah, and plus, yeah. like that movie um, was just on the other over the weekend. It was on oh. AMC. Good shit, man. It was, Good and shit. it's also it's now a Broadway show, or at least it was a Broadway show. So oh no, pl- yeah, they totally inspired a whole thing. Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> Gangster musical. Um, yeah, <laughs> who would have thought, right? Yeah. Again, though, Robert De Niro at his best. Like, it's just, it's just one of those stories that you can't help but love and, and, and watch, and it's a classic. Mm-hmm. And then I have to include one of my dear, dear favorite films that really just tugs at the heartstrings. I watch this movie with my stepdad pretty regularly, and we both feel very sentimental about it. Um, Carlito's Way. <laughs> okay, go on. Yes, I mean it's Pacino at at, at prime Pacino. You know what I mean? Um, he's so I don't know what the word is. Is it like delicate? Is that a word I can use for this one? I don't think delicate is a word you can ever use to describe one of El Pacino's performances. <laughs> Probably <laughs> because, not. <laughs> because he's not delicate. He's as delicate as a jackhammer. When it comes to <laughs> okay, the only times he felt like he was delicate, though, is in the dealings of his relationship. Because um, there's, you know, once again, at the heart of this movie, there's a love story. And it's um, with Penelope Ann Miller. And she plays a ballerina. And she's a beautiful dancer um, slash exotic dancer, but also like professional dancer. Um, and you uh, you root for for them, and of course it's ill fated as they usually are. And uh, I will say this: that ending of that film brought me to my knees. It, it just broke me. It really fucking broke me. Um, you want nothing but good for goodness for him, and God damn it, Sean Penn, you fucking piece of God damn fucking! I have a lot of feelings about Sean Penn that I'm not going to get to today, <laughs> but we will uncover them in very <laughs> intensive therapy sessions. <laughs> Sean Penn plays a complete scumbag so well, you you despise him, and. And just how deep this movie goes into sort of uh, how complex that crime system is. And we're talking about like the club system, right? Where, you know, started with, you know, owning a nightclub, goes into, you know, drug smuggling, going into, you know, guns and this and gambling and this and that and the other, blah, blah, blah. That's a pretty typical uh, thing in, in gangster films. And this one was no different. What I what was kind of different about this for me though, 
was the sort of um, fantastical elements to it that it really was in, in its heart of hearts just a, a romance you know a, a love story gone horribly horribly wrong and all of the scenes between Pacino and and Miller um, were really touching and really beautifully done and you just you wanted nothing more for them to just run away from it all together you know mm-hmm. and I didn't give a fuck about anything else really that was really the the one constant for me in Carlito's way just this love story that was ill-fated and it's like Romeo and Juliet you know mm-hmm. um, another tale as old as time so I love 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 Carlito's way because of just how sentimental it makes me feel and it's really well done like it's so beautiful and the script is so fucking hilarious and so sharp um, the cinematography is really fucking good too the the suspense the action it's just such a well-balanced film you know um, and it's Brian De Palma. You can't go wrong with Brian De Palma. He's great. He's got such a good eye for these types of movies. Um, we've talked a lot about the directors today, Brian, and I really feel like between Coppola, De Palma, and Scorsese, you've got a whole catalog of gangster films that'll really fill your life with with a lot of joy and a lot of fun. Yeah, They're well, great, Guy Ritchie too. Films. I would throw that. that sure, sure. In that yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, you know, I, I realize now I'm kind of obviously favoring the Italian mafia um, part of, of the genre. And, and for good reason. You know, these are, these are really classic films that people, people know. They're, they're icons in their own way. You know? Um, and arguably, they're the reason that Pacino and De Niro have the reps that they have as universally renowned actors. Um, and different gangster films from different countries, I think, draw from their performances, um, yeah. if anything. So you have a lot, lot of um, praise to give to American um, gangster films in particular. And then that's not just me being all patriotic. <laughs> No, I mean, I get what you're saying, totally. And because you, you have these people who have became global icons, mm-hmm. um, and they got their start doing movies like this. I mean, you know, Robert De Niro got his start being a, a just a thug. Main yep. Streets was like right. the. <gasps> oh my God, we almost forgot Main Streets. How could we? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he kind of like made his career off of being a tough guy, right? Yep. And so, Definitely. I get it. I get it. It's good um, shit. It's good shit. I think that covers it, though, huh? I think it does. I think should we get the feedback? Let's do it, dude. Listener feedback. Yeah. Okay. Do it. So we did have a couple pieces of feedback that we saved because they were long yeah. pieces of feedback. Um, so long Ugh. that I had to sound like a horse as I was saying it. Okay, Wilbur, get to it. Yeah, so this one's from Hillary. It's called Break Out the VCR. It says, hi, nerds. I have feedback for all of you and then everyone, so I'm splitting up into different parts. First of all, Gina! I'm so happy you brought up Once Upon a Forest. <laughs> My sisters and I watched this in Fern Gully at our babysitter's house so many times, and the noxious fog and the construction equipment scared me so bad. And little Edgar trapped in the cage toward the end of the movie. That part was terrifying to watch. The earliest I remember seeing this movie was maybe four five my sister actually found in a discount movie bin at walmart so we do have the dvd now and parts of it still scare me and that fucking song made me cry the last time i watched it (laughs) true story and roxy hello 
I miss you so much. I'm happy you're back and you're on the path towards healing. Oh, thank you, Hillary. Um, I'm sending you good vibes and support. Thank you for bringing up little Nemo. Because you've put to rest a question I've had for years and never got the answer to until now. I saw about 10 minutes of this movie really late at night when I was maybe 8 or 9. She remembers there was a giant door opening, black slime coming out. It made a big impression on her because she's thought about it maybe once a week for the last few years. And she never knew the name of it or what it was that it was just black slime. Um, So she thanks me for putting that query to rest. I'm not really sure if I did or not, but I I, I appreciate the sentiment. (laughs) And then Brian, uh, this one goes out to you. I'm very impressed that you can get on your voice that high. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It takes a lot of talent, Moriarty. And congrats on your sweet guac making skills. Dude, dude, I still have dreams about that dessert guacamole. Oh, Roxy, I'm making more. Oh my God, Brian! Don't I got tempt more ingredients me. this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's probably gonna make it for dessert gua- uh, for her next wine and cheese night. Do it, <laughs> and but give me credit where it's due. Say I learned about it on this podcast. I listened to. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it on the internet. Um, Shameless promotion. <laughs> she really misses Sean. I mean, Sean is is very missable. Um, and to everyone. I have a movie I want to share. Balto is a literal underdog tale based on semi-historical events. Dude, yes. Why did we not bring up Balto? What is wrong with us? <laughs> What's one of my all-time favorites? She talks about you know what it's set and, and what it's about. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen Balto because who are you if, if you haven't? Um, and then coming up on that, there's a goose named Boris. <laughs> Oh, my boy. And then uh, there's a polar bear. Oh, my God. The polar bears. You remember, Brian? The ones, uh, they were voiced by Phil Collins. <laughs> it was a weird oh, choice. It was a weird choice. The funniest shit ever. I love them. The animation does hold up pretty well after all these years, and it's such a universal story. If you're looking for a talking animal movie with amazing story, then please look this movie up. There's also a sequel and a third quill. So check that shit out, y'all. Um, please. Thank Sequel you and threequel. I made what? that word up. <laughs> Thank you for all the feels during this episode. It brought back a lot of fond memories of my childhood, and I found my old marching band music from high school while listening to the episode. So that evening was a double whammy of nostalgia. Aww. And thank you for all the work that you guys put into the podcast. You guys are the best and are so appreciated for doing what you do. All the best, Hillary. Oh, Hillary! Oh, thank you. Thank that you is so, so sweet of you to say. So well. Thank you. Ugh. God, I love it when we get such well-written and, like, thought out and just heart-filled, fucking beautifully done feedback emails from our listeners. They really care about us, man. You like us. You really like us. Thank and, you. you know, we we glad that we... We, we glad. We glad. <laughs> we we <so> are <laughs> We are glad that we were able to give you a dump truck of nostalgia that we could back up such into your dump. ears. Yeah. So... Dump it all. Just dump it out. Just, 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 just dump it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, next one, Brian. What's up? We have a message from Lewis that says, "A message from the past." <gasps> I'm gonna try to read this in the most ominous, like Rod Sterling kind of voice. So, do we need like ominous background music? <laughs> Good evening, nerds. <laughs> I am writing to you from the past. Well. <gasps> Sort of. It was just past midnight here, and as of uh, such, it is now the 30th of June, 
2018. But what I mean when I say by the past is that I am currently listening to Kid Tested, Mother Disapproved, Aww. your episode from the 25th of June, 2013. Oh. Holy shit. Five years <laughs> ago, I wish I had started listening to podcasts sooner. Yeah. Basically... I have recently, a few months ago, started listening to podcasts. If I find one that I think is up my street, I'll subscribe and listen to every single one from their first to their modern uploads. (laughs) I can't keep doing this the whole time. I'm going to get tired. Uh, It's taken me a few months. It's taken me a few months to get to where I am now. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> you go from hello to now. <laughs> uh, wow, way to just bring it back. <laughs> so, if you do read this email in one of your episodes, uh, I may hear you mention in an episode several years down the line. Oh God, where uh, should I be in a different place? Or uh, in my my life, where he should be in a different place in his life. Welcome to the future. So, in a way, this is almost a time capsule for me. Uh, A nice little bit about me. I've always been into nerd culture. Uh, Photos of my of me on my first Christmas have me in Batman baby clothes. Dude, we are in. You are in kindred company. He's like the third Mobro. I loved the Batman (laughs) animated series when I was wee. Oh, nice. You were wee. I think he's from Scotland. Were you uh, from Scotland? Oh Scotland. my god. Okay, keep going. And I love Star Wars, saying that I haven't seen Solo yet. Star Trek Uh-oh. is fantastic. Doctor Who is, well, it's a bit much for me, but I like how you guys know what it is. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I feel the same way. We are, we are like minds. I ignorantly <laughs> assumed it was just something that we had here in Britain. Oh my god. So there he is. Uh, so not... Not a clue that Americans had such a palette for such um, creative Are you media. kidding me? <laughs> um, my dad sometimes calls me Sheldon, but that's, that isn't a compliment. I guess he's oh, referring to Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. No, he's uh, referring to Sheldon from the never-ending story. Who the fuck are like? <laughs> Come on, man. Yes, of course. If you're a Sheldon, it's not a good thing. I'm a nerd. Excuse me. Pushing up <laughs> my fake glasses. <laughs> he continues. Um, he knows it pisses me off. I have social skills. I'm a people person, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I have social skills. (laughs) Yes. Uh, At the present time, I am still living at home. Today I signed a lease, my lease, for my first flat with my girlfriend. Congratulations, dude. On the way home from the flat, uh, uh, from the city, uh, the flat is in uh, Inverness, which is about 45 miles from Loch Ness. Dude, yes. Yeah, so this dude is from Scotland. He's in uh, it, man. He is in Scotland. <laughs> He's in Scotland? I've always wanted to go to Inverness. Oh, my God. I've always so wanted cool. to go to Scotland. Where's, <laughs> Shut up. Where is Scotland? And I don't really Next door meet to Bass Scott. Pro Shops. <laughs> I really want to meet Scott. I, I hear he's got a Scott. sexy accent. Everyone um, talks about him like they know who he is. And I don't even know who he is anymore. I just want, I just want to meet him. I just want to know. I just want to know what, 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 what. Yeah, and that's when he stopped listening. Um, <laughs> uh, he said uh, when he was coming home from it, he hit a deer with his car and completely fucked up the front of his car. Uh, so I'm sitting here in my parents' kitchen in a fury writing to some people in California who recorded some <laughs> podcasts over five years ago that bring me so much entertainment. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry you had a rough day, man, when you wrote us this email. That's a bummer. Um, 
Yeah. I hope everything works out for you. But um, saying that, I don't even know you're still if you're still making the podcast. Well, obviously, because we're reading your email right now. Oh my God, Brian, just fast forward, please. <laughs> um, he does listen to the history ones. Those we're not so much making anymore. Sorry, dude. Though Darn. there might be some new nerds in history on the horizon. <gasps> just don't throwing it out say. there. We think we're thinking about doing a mini series return. Oh my uh, God. That's great news. Yeah. So nothing's finalized yet, but we just know that the conversations are being had. Um, awesome. So uh, let me see. Uh, he thinks it's funny because, like, when he would when we would speculate about Batman or Man of Steel and stuff, and who would be the best person to direct Star Wars. So to wrap mm. up this rambling email of appreciation, thank you for the podcast. Thank you for oh. your humor, discussions, observations, speculations, friendliness, and overall pleasantness. Uh, in the words of the great uh, Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Um, because you guys are. And uh, if you're ever in my neck of the woods, which is the Scot- the Scottish Highlands. Oh my God, yes. Sorry Bring for the terrible brood. Bring me there Please let me know. It'd be a delight to buy you each a pint. So... <gasps> So to the nerds five years ahead from where I am listening at this very moment, I hope you're well. I hope you're still all still friends. I wish you all the luck in your endeavors, and I look forward to seeing what occurs as I keenly listen to your work. Uh, he thank you. to us keenly. I know. Uh, thank you. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. Och, I, the new. Uh, <laughs> from Louis uh, Kennard. Um, P.S. I wrote this in a post Dear Smash Adrenaline Buzz. I'm not even going to proofread. This was from the heart and sincere. Uh, P.P.S. I just noticed an episode request suggestion on the page. You've probably covered them, but uh, Scottish movies? Um, <gasps> Dude! Scottish cinema? Totally... <gasps> movie set in Scotland? Something Scottish? Thank oh you. Oh my God. I kind of am... like that idea. I am in love with this idea. We have to do this now. It's set in stone. Oh okay. my God! It would Room be a new stones. <laughs> it would be a new territory for me. Obviously, we could talk about Scottish actors, but I don't think I'd be doing it justice. We could need to talk Honey, about. Yeah, I can dedicate an entire hour to to you and McGregor. <laughs> no, Sam Hewen from Outlander. You <laughs> and McGregor. Yeah, it'll just be about fucking you and McGregor and 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 uh, fucking James Bond. What's you could probably here? devote a whole hour to the in Sean the, Sean Connery. The uh, the the uh, vein outlines of his penis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said it, dude. You said it, not me. You said it. <laughs> Remember he's, that. I mean, he's just, he, he's, he, he's packing the sausage factory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is the sausage factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen some of his earlier work where he was okay with t- full frontal nudity and wow. Um, so, oh, at any rate, um, if you guys want to talk about uh, Ewan McGregor's penis um, what you should do is you should write into us and you should <laughs> go to dronomy.com and don't click on that don't send us any dick pics please do <laughs> please not don't. please don't please don't but um, if you do send them to Sean at dronomy.com <laughs> and he will I'm sure do something inappropriate with him but um, so um you, while you're at nerdonomy.com, by the way, um, you can support us by either going to our merch page and buying a t-shirt or, you know, giving us a straight-up donation that goes to keeping the podcasts uh, running. Um, please, though, the more important thing you can do is spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. Like that. Uh, 
follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah. don't just follow us. Share that shit. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. Yeah. Retweet. <laughs> Uh, he said that too. All that stuff. Do that. Do it. Do um, it now. Because we like our listeners and we want to have more of them. So, yeah. Roxy, any final thoughts? I mean, I'm just adding to my international boyfriend's bank bank as we speak. I have one in Australia and I have one in Scotland now. We all, since we all now know that Roxy's lifelong dream is to become a mob wife, what you haven't <laughs> seen is that her hair has gotten three shades blonder. <laughs> and her nails have gotten three inches longer throughout the course of this podcast. Oh my God, Brian, don't tell them what I'm doing with my life. You don't know me. All right, that's it. I'm, a, I'm out. <laughs> All right. Uh, guys, we're having way too much fun, but, so we, but we got to get out of here. So uh, until we meet again, stay nerdy. Tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy. Dot com. See ya. Bye. And roll credits. Now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. What's the matter, smartass? You don't know any fucking Shakespeare? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think every woman should say that to a guy if who's trying to hit on them. Say hello to your mother for me. Say hello to your mother. Say hello to your mom.